I think we might as well go ahead and record a bit of a trigger warning here on this episode, and since we don't have to add it later, uh, this episode is going to deal with some mental health and substance abuse, so uh, please uh, seek help if, if, that's a, if that's a thing for you. Hey everybody, welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. I'm, I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And this week we are going deeper on speed. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know why I just flashed back to uh, Kronk from The Emperor's New Groove singing his own theme song. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite characters in, in film history. And our cat is going to pull down our, our new sound uh, dampening foam, and he is just uh, sniffing it and pulling it down. Great. Okay. So, uh, apologies <laughs> for any sound quality. We uh, may or not uh, have certain viruses and may or may not have a cat tearing our stu- eating our studio. So, things, things are what they are. It's a weekend. <laughs> It's 12.07. I, I should have made you a cocktail, but... <laughs> it's 12.07 p.m., y'all, in the afternoon. No, probably not. Probably best not. Or it'd be like, you still there? You still there? <laughs> like, hello? All right. So I figured we'd get things started with... Uh, you were kind of a little confused on the whole Point Break, Ted Logan situation... Like the time the frame, oh, we, yeah. I mean, we talked about the timeline. Oh, we, we did probably for, a year ago. Yeah, and I've completely forgotten it as well. So I know it's very close. It's closer than you think. It's it's a little like flip flopped more than you think because I think he seems so much younger in Bill and Ted, and he seems way older in Point Break. Like, I mean, he just seems like he's learned a lot <laughs> by the time he's at Point Break. But <laughs> so Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is eighty nine. Okay, Bogus Journey ninety one. Mm-hmm. Also in 91, Point Break and My Own Private Idaho. Okay, so Speed is after. Speed is after, but yes, but Point Break and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey are the same year. Okay, okay. And also the same year that uh, My Own Private Idaho. Are you familiar with that film? No, just the... Um... It's River Phoenix, it's uh, Flea and, uh, and Keanu Reeves and a Gus Van Zandt film. They all moved into Gus Van Zandt's house to make the movie. And apparently we're... Uh, quite the raucous crew interesting um isn't that a b-52 song that's what i was trying to come up with i i I, you could very well be right you could very well yeah that's all i'm familiar with is a b-52 song but yeah so um so we have 92 we have dracula Okay, so the Bram Stoker's Dracula, the one with uh, right with Winona Ryder, Gary Oldman, and the new kid on the block looking Dracula, and then the weird butthead hair looking Dracula. Every time I think about that, I know that they do that on. I don't know if it's a Naked Gun or if it's, but it's Leslie Nielsen. Like Leslie Nielsen does like several. There was a Dracula Dead and Loving It, a Mel Brooks film with Leslie Nielsen as Dracula. Yeah, I think that was it. They like spoofed on all the different weird Gary Oldman looks. And that's, (laughs) I I get it confused, like what's actually supposed to be scary and what is actually supposed to be funny. I think we've discussed before and we're definitely adding Bram Stoker's Dracula to the list. It's going to be, because I I remember every, there was another big lunch table thing was, had you seen that one or not? 
Uh, we have in 94, we have Speed. Mm-hmm. So this is about three years after Point Break. About three. So he is an, a- an established action star at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's true. While filming Speed, uh, River Phoenix actually had his accident and, and passed away. Oh, wow. So, so they had already been in a film together. And... Already, well, I mean, they were best friends at the time. So oh, he's really? I didn't know that. While okay. yeah, his, finds out his best friend has passed away. And, mm, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I've never heard this before. I guess I'm just a little too young to kind of the urban legends around um, around River Phoenix. But his name is an anagram for Viper Heroin X, which he died on what? the stage of the, on the steps of the Viper Room. Yeah, yeah, Johnny Depp's place, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that actually just got demolished a few weeks ago. That's weird, huh? Okay. I mean, it sounds like something that people like really work hard to fit like to put together but it does work i mean it, it, just it is works, what it it works is. too well that's, that's strange yeah i don't like that at all that's creepy yeah um johnny mnemonic was 95 have you ever seen that no i haven't i think i've listened to the how did this get made mm, on it that might be one of those forbidden cinema moments in my life where did not hold up whatsoever that was one of those first (laughs) month or two of being 18 years old and having my own blockbuster card oh that was very early and like i've been wanting to see this movie for three or four years for that (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah that's what this is all about y'all like is it like oh wow that's awesome and oh yeah that would have been detrimental to our development (laughs) or like yeah that was a definite oh man hold on to that because that sound effect is coming back later on in this episode okay uh spoiler alert but yeah that's a movie based on the sprawl trilogy the whole concept of cyberpunk is based on yeah i think i knew that and oh man i mean classic classic neuromancer william gibson stories mona lisa smile and it's just terrible it even has dolph lundgren in it and it's i mean, I mean dolph I, lundgren doesn't really you could go one way or the other with a dolph lundgren movie he elevates when he elevates and he lives in garbage when it's garbage <laughs> <laughs> he rarely is neutral in a film is that fair i think it's very fair uh we have the devil's advocate in 97 <laughs> that was another huge one at the lunch table. That was like the people that worked at the theater or that were already 18 right. senior year of high school. They, they, Oh, man, they told some stories about what was going on in there. <laughs> that was the first DVD I ever rented. I don't know what the first DVD I ever rented was. That's great. Like, why do you think you remember that? Because I was a very early adopter of DVD. I had a computer going to college with a DVD-ROM and my sister had got her DVD player when she wanted a VCR. <laughs> so <laughs> she wanted to tape Dawson's Creek and dad got her a DVD player because it's better. Right. It's like, got it. But what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we were super, super early adopters of VHS, of camcorders, of, of just about everything. We were really super of VHS. I don't really remember if we were super early adopters of DVD or not, honestly. But yeah, I did buy, or I did rent that one. I mean, because that was, it was the first day that I went to Hollywood Video. Blockbuster didn't even have DVDs yet, but Hollywood Video had one little wall of like 12 of them. <laughs> they had that. They had uh, California, the one with with Brad Pitt and Juliette Lewis and David Duchovny. 
weird they had oh i don't even remember what else they that had had to have been like a such a niche choice like whoever whoever the hollywood video what was available on dvd at the time probably had a lot to do with that too probably but you probably had some person who was like i'm gonna i'm gonna curate right. our our initial <laughs> dvd collection i mean you know three months later they would have probably 200 dvds and a year later it would be DVDs and VHSs next to each other on the new release wall. And then a couple of years after that, it's mostly DVDs. But, right. But there was that, just that brief moment. Where were we the other day that the last... We were at a restaurant. Oh, we were at Corner Pub, right? Didn't you say that it had been a video store? Oh, yeah, yeah. It had been a... Um, a, a block, I think a blockbuster, maybe a Hollywood video. But okay. Yeah. But yeah, we were, I was just <laughs> imagining back to the days where we're having drinks... My my car broke down, so I couldn't find the Uber. So I'm just having a couple of drinks, waiting on Jenny to be able to pick me up, and just thinking back to when this used to be a video store. <laughs> great days, great days. So we move on to 1999. We have The Matrix. So Keanu Reeves is really establishing himself as a cyberpunk mm-hmm. star, as a action star, and I mean by the Matrix sequels, he was one of the highest paid actors in the history of film. Yeah. I think that, yeah, his paycheck for those two that were filmed simultaneously was at the time the, the, the biggest single paycheck anybody had ever gotten for acting. You know, some people had done producing, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger had done better in single roles, but that, yeah. We were talking about his accent. Yes. So Ma'am. he is, his mother is English. Like UK English? Yes, UK English. And his father is Chinese Hawaiian descent, but who grew up in Hawaii. Interesting. Okay. And so he was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and grew up most of his life in Toronto. That is a mixed bag. So if, if I'm, I'm trying to Henry Higgins his accent, <laughs> and I'm really struggling. I'm like, I, I thought I heard maybe a little bit of Polynesian mixed with a lot of SoCal, but something else in that. Yeah. English mother, Toronto plus Lebanon. <laughs> Right, and Chinese and Hawaiian. Okay, yeah, that's that's a lot of interesting blends. Yeah, his mother, Patricia Taylor, are you familiar with her at all? No. She was a showgirl. Oh, cool. Yeah, who then grew up to become a costume designer. Uh, she dressed David Bowie, Dolly Parton. She, he uh, can't even tell the story of when she was working and had nobody to watch him so she would just put him in the studio while alice cooper was recording and alice would keep an eye on him (laughs) (laughs) wow that's something wait patricia i'm thinking of patricia fields i think patricia fields might be big designer on sex in the city okay no she in film i think the the most important thing she did was she was the costume designer for the where in the world is carmen san diego uh (laughs) uh, the show with do it rockapella that's legendary i mean she's responsible for that hat and boom 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 and the in the well, she did, it's based on a video game so, right but still but like, yeah she did the costume it to life. for that yes that's yes, cool yes. so his personal life has some other tragedy in it as well we yeah, talked about how he really know. has a you know much that, a little bit that uh, christmas of 1999 um ava archer syme reeves his only only child didn't survive childbirth uh then the mother on April 2nd, 2001. Jennifer Syme, she's not that famous. She was um, David Lynch's personal assistant. Okay. She has a very brief role in uh, Lost Highway. 
And I guess that's where she met Marilyn Manson. She was at a party at Marilyn Manson's house, was way too intoxicated to do anything. So somebody drove her home and about... 5.30 in the morning, she got back in her car to go back to the party. Oh, no. And uh, was in an accident and, and, and did not survive. So Were they still together at the they time? They were not still together at the time, but, but they were still close. Yeah, um, they had, you know, yeah, I'm sure that bond. Yeah, uh, Mulholland Drive is actually dedicated to her. We've watched some of that. Uh, Lynch is tough. Mulholland Drive is, I mean, it's super hard to follow. And I kind of, movies like that, I'm like, Who's that for? Like, it's for movie people. It's but, for movie people who have time to not like us, like Hollywood, like old Hollywood movie people, but for like college movie people who want to sit down and discuss. But also for people who don't really get it to talk kind of like they get it to talk down to other people is really kind of what I think out of a movie like that. It's like, do you really get it? I don't think you do. It's I for think people you that just... watch Inception like seven times, but are 10 years older than the people that watch Inception seven times. <laughs> I, I I really think that it's just something, it's, it's, it's an understood like, you don't really get it, do you? No, I don't really either, but it doesn't really matter. Let's make other people feel stupid. Right before I met you. I was watching Donnie Darko to a point where maybe I was starting to become something like Which this. Which is why I can't imagine or understand why you didn't recognize Sparkle Motion, Chick. I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, man, in 2017, he had still not publicly been seen in a relationship since 99. Uh, when asked about if he's ever going to have a family, his response, I'm too, it's too late, it's over. Oh. That is heartbreaking. <laughs> He's he's just like the classic like tragic soul. I know, I know, but he was writing a bunch of poetry about loss and whatnot. And actually, the uh, the lady that illustrates all of his poetry books, Alexander Grant, he was seen in 2019 on a red carpet with her. And I've seen, she is fabulous. She is fabulous. Yeah, she's she's very seems very very cool. So, yeah, I have seen him in pictures with her. Yeah. Maybe we're just living. A couple of years now, maybe it's not forever, but we're living a few years where maybe we just have a happy key on it. <laughs> that would make me very, very happy in life. So moving on from the history of Keanu to Speed and the Mythbusters. They did cover it. I was right. I okay. knew I remembered it. I knew I remembered. Not as maybe as much as I'd hoped that they would say about it. Okay. They didn't. They didn't do like a full episode? No, or? no. I've done some research on my own. And I think the screwdriver in the ear is is not physically possible. Seems like a bad idea to stick anything that sharp and deep and that quick in your ear. Could do some serious damage. Well, we've listened to an episode of, of True Crime Obsessed, and I was able to follow a little more of that story where a, a gentleman did use that as a way of subjugating and deafening women. And Right. I and guess it, it is possible to do a lot of damage, but probably not possible to pierce the skull with just the amount of force a human being can muster. Uh, 58 miles an hour is the top speed of that bus completely with nobody on it. That makes sense to me. Cause I mean, those are, it's a big, heavy those bus. are big and heavy. So maybe they should have done like 45. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe 45 is not <laughs> quite as, as intense and nail by white knuckle in the, the steering wheel. But, uh, but yeah, 58 miles an hour. There's not a lot of room to play with there. No. But so when they're getting it to 70 for the jump, not happening. Not happening. Uh, the bus is way too heavy to tip. And oh, like, and oh, the see bus where is they... going to tip everybody to the one side. No, not even possible. Okay. <laughs> uh, it didn't make the jump, but it was still operable. Was it 
did it fall off? Like, so you're talking about Mythbusters. What did they recreate? They recreated the jump. They they put a ramp, of course, because you know, it, in the movie, you know, you see him going just towards, and then just like, you know, there, there's obviously a ramp there. Well, but, I mean, and he also he's like, there has to be a little bit of an incline. Like, <laughs> but yes, a 50 foot gap, the bus is not is not going to make it. But it did. It didn't crash into the other side. It actually fell underneath, but was able to still operate. So I was I was shocked that a bus could make a jump that big and still run. Uh, it uh, none of the passenger crash test dummies survived. Mm. The driver was strapped in and he was okay. But oh, but everybody, because everybody yeah, else was like thrown into the ceiling. And, and yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah, no seatbelts in a bus. Yeah, and also the little cart that we were talking like that cart is not meant for that kind of speed. Uh huh. It would have totally gone airborne. I would have not even thought about the air pressure underneath versus above, but it's not heavy enough. It would, you know, it looked really light. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you see the the people pulling the tubes behind, and all of a sudden they go airborne when they get a little air underneath. On yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It, it would have it would have completely done that. So, so not a lot of uh, physics that we can really <laughs> we can really agree with in, in speed. It, it's we're just gonna have to kind of professional wrestling suspension of disbelief a little bit with it. I mean, that's, that's the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second amendment section. I'm not a gun person, not a gun person at all, but you know, I grew up hunting and so I know a little bit about them and I knew that shotgun. I was not okay with it. Oh, like how many shots? Oh, the, and the, they even, it's a very huge plot point that he pulls the trigger and it's out of bullets. Right. That is, if they didn't do that, I could have probably forgiven it a little better. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a six-shot shotgun that he fires eight times. <laughs> so completely, completely not a thing. It is a uh, Mossberg 500A Mariner. Also, there is like an internet movie uh, armament database or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of uh, a certain kind of people that spend a lot of time on there categorizing. Cate- That's not the right word. Cate- cate- categorizing categorizing is that what you want i don't know maybe <laughs> <laughs> the, the guns used in movies and apparently that we were talking about the blue and white painted guns that actually is some urban camo so i guess that does like blend in at a distance i like guess close up wait blue and white painted guns there's a blue and white painted sniper rifles when they were going oh, to the drop oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess from a distance those do start to blend in with cement i don't know okay um that's about that's about it also i think the gun that he shoots at the end that i was like where'd that come from and yeah he shoots it way too many times for the number of uh for the size of the magazine we see well and we gotta be efficient i mean because uh stop do do you get the like elevator like uh, <laughs> we reload yeah i mean oh, sorry it would be the girl from Impanema. like <laughs> that's what it would be <laughs> classic elevator music everywhere (laughs) and uh trains in la do have they actually do call them a dead man switch that if the operator their their natural thing is stop the operator has to make them go it's not that they go and the operator makes them stop it's the other way around that's that's what makes sense yes (laughs) like we'd have why like people would be distracted and trains would just be willy-nilly if not. So Graham Yost, the writer of this film. Okay. Well, actually, I guess he wrote the original treatment. It was actually the final shooting script was punched up by Joss Whedon. So mm. it really feels he's, he's kind of problematic now, mm-hmm. but it really does feel like there's some Whedonisms 
in there the 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 banter I guess so. I, I really am not as well versed in in Whedon isms as you are. I mean, I've seen some Buffy. I've seen um some, seen most of Firefly. Yeah, I've seen most of Firefly. But uh, Graham Yost was the story editor and wrote most of the original episodes of Hey Dude was his first yes! role. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Better watch out for them jackrabbits and that killer cacti. <laughs> nice i remember first hearing the title of that and just I'm like what is hey dude is it surfer is it teenage mutant ninja turtles like what's going on with dude oh it's a dude ranch i had no idea what a dude ranch was before that i love that show oh my gosh classic melanie taylor that was i mean who would have thought the girl from hey dude would end up starring in a bunch of stuff most i mean probably mostly because of ben stiller but probably mostly but i mean but still then they got married then they got divorced and now they're back together yeah, supposedly they got like quarantined together during a pandemic <laughs> you know that seems that seems like the plot of a ben stiller movie it does it does i actually do think it was a david lassiter or david lancaster i can't remember if that was ted oh, ted oh, ted man. was definitely in a bunch of those like you should crush on this guy books oh, during that wow. time i know oh, he wow. was yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like take this quiz who's your who's your match hot take i was always kind of a brad kind of guy i could see that did she go by brad or bradley i thought it was brad it's been 25 years since it's been Close to 30 years since I've seen an episode of Hey Dude, so. I mean, let's be fair. Okay, so Bradley, Stacey Carosi, um Yeah, I kind of got a thing for, yeah, stacked brunettes with a little bit of attitude. <laughs> eh. <laughs> but so, uh, Speed was his first big, big Hollywood. Yeah, that feels thing. right. He would then go on to write Broken Arrow that's one of my favorite <laughs> movies of of that time. Oh my goodness! Have you seen that one? I I'm not sure if it, it blends in. I don't think I have. I mean, I know the concept. It's um, John Travolta is the bad guy, right? Christian Slater. Christian Slater is the good guy. Okay, yes. and they don't swap faces. No, they don't swap faces. <laughs> Howie Long is one of the bad guys. I think it's his first major role. Huh. Okay. And they're John Travolta is trying to steal a nuclear bomb. Right. Which I think there's a whole, cause I think they covered that on how did this get made also. And like, wait, how is there like a whole, like a name for this thing? It happens so frequently. A broken arrow is a missing nuclear warhead or whatever. And it's like, that we have a nickname for it? Right. Like, like, I, don't know what, I don't know what's more disturbing. The fact that it's happening or the fact that it happens so much. The, that they, we have they've a name named for it. it. Exactly. It's very troubling. I think, I probably should have done some research on it, but I believe there is a missing nuclear weapon in a lake somewhere in the Midwest. Probably. <laughs> I mean, the, the things that we don't know. I mean, those post-Soviet nukes, who knows where they are? They're probably just in some Russian guy's garage. Hopefully nuclear bombs have an expiration date on them or something. I mean, there's radiation. They have some sort of something. <laughs> yes, I have that over there in the corner. <laughs> have some vodka. <laughs> We're going to hit it with a hammer afterwards, see what happens. <laughs> it seems like a very Russian game. It seems like uh, what, what Peter Stormare. 
I guess Russian stuff isn't as funny right now. No, it's not. But uh, they did Hard Rain. Have you seen that? No. It's a Keanu Reeves movie, oh, wait. I think. Oh, wait. Is that one of the ones, the disaster movies is that all Keanu came out at the same time? Oh, is it Keanu Reeves or is it Christian Slater? It might be Christian Slater. I might be thinking of Cold Fusion with Keanu Reeves. There's a Keanu Reeves movie that might have Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman might Morgan have... Freeman's the bad guy in Hard Rain. I feel like it's Keanu Reeves, like, kind of, like, looking a little schlubby. Okay. But, yeah, that's that's a terrible movie. But it, he's really given some people a chance to play the bad guy, though. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, Morgan Freeman never get He just gets to narrate Penguins. <laughs> that's what we think of him. I mean, that that's, like, just universally good, right? Yeah. So then create a band of brothers, which I've never seen, but I've been assured by everybody that has that it's fantastic. Yeah, everybody talks about that. Only thing I can think of... I think, what, Ed Norton? No, not Ed Norton. The other Ed... I'd say Ed Harris? No. No. The other, um, who's married to a supermodel. He doesn't, when he acts, he's he's pretty, like, even keel. Edward Burns? Burns, yes. That's what I want. Um, Actually, I'm I'm dropping all kinds of How Did This Get Made. That was, like, their last, latest episode was a movie that came out in 2005 that he's in, that he's just, like, it's a action time travel movie, and he's just, like... So, yeah, okay, cool. Like, the whole time. (laughs) So, I will never forgive Graham Yost for The Last Castle. It's a Robert Redford movie with him and Tony Soprano where they're in a military prison. I hated every second of that garbage. I I saw it in the theater. Waste of time. I mean, I love Robert Redford. Robert Redford is probably hands-down first crush. Mm -hmm. But... Um, no, I, ha- I remember the title, but I never saw it. I don't think I've ever seen anything with James Gandolfini like as a movie. Huh. I don't think. That might be the only time I've ever seen him in a movie, honestly. Maybe he was in stuff when he was younger. I have no idea. Maybe. And then we have uh, he created Boomtown and Justified. Okay. And as a producer, The Pacific, John Adams, Sneaky Pete, and The Americans. So he is... Uh, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Yeah, uh, this this hey dude guy. Uh, has, <laughs> he found his niche. Yes. <laughs> uh, so John DeBont, the director, mm-hmm. uh, he is. This was his first feature film. Good for him. Yeah, first first directorial debut. Now he's a uh, cinematographer. Okay. So you could see how this is the kind of movie a cinematographer would direct. Yes, it does seem that way very much. His next film, Twister. Ooh, okay. So he's hitting them. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's yeah. Like, like bam, bam, out of the gate. And then we have Speed 2. Hmm. We have The Haunting. I'm not even sure. Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones and the, some of the worst computer graphics of all time. I hate that film with a passion. It was playing on, on my closed circuit television in college for an entire <laughs> weekend. And I hate that film. Oh, man. If you got closed circuit TV and they're playing something for an entire weekend, like you're going to see it. I mean, you're gonna fall into a hole. You're gonna you're gonna become a, a David Lynch type of person on that kind of movie. That's like gonna be. You're gonna know that movie inside and out. And you might. You might. I think that was the first weekend I actually didn't come home. That's the movie they played all weekend. Oh man! Like, but then the next weekend was Clerks, and that just changed everything. Yeah, I just remember. I think the 
the solid weekends I remember are Daria weekends. Ah, gotcha. Just tons la, and tons la, of la, Daria. I had bought like two liter, you know, a couple two liters of Diet Coke. The ice machine was down in the basement. So I have to keep going downstairs and like filling up my giant cup with ice and coming back up and just living on Diet Coke for an entire weekend. And also probably Papa John's one topping pizzas because it was cheaper. $5 delivery to the door. Exactly. It was cheaper to have it delivered to the dorm than to come get it. I mean, like, I don't. I was pretty fit in college. How in the world? I ate Papa John's pizza constantly. I drank so many Frappuccinos that the chick at the the library, because it like kind of was a Starbucks, kind of not. She was like, hey, so they they changed the brand on the chocolate that we used. I didn't think most people would notice, but I thought that you might. So oh, I was going to give you a heads up. But I walked everywhere, I guess. That's like I really guess. all I ate. I was every bit of 35 pounds lighter than I am right now in college. But yeah. I could probably get through a 24 pack of Mountain Dew in a weekend. Oh, like that's, yeah. That's enough calories. I mean, it's for... tons of calories. I mean, I, like, I didn't have a scale, which is probably like why I was in a really good place in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I bliss blissly unaware, but I, I feel like I was relatively fit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, his last film that he directed was Lara Croft Tomb Raider: Cradle of Life. How was that? It's a sequel to. It's I, it's not it's not the um, not, it's it's Angelina Jolie's second. It Tomb is Raider. Angelina Jolie. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's her second Tomb Raider. Okay, I would say that one's better than reviewed, but not great. Okay, it is a very early American movie role for Gerard Butler. Ooh, do love so, some Gerard Butler. Yeah, that's I think what Dracula two thousand, the Wes Craven film where he played Dracula, is probably his first, which. Talk about looking back now, a weird casting choice. Well, so kind of was Phantom. I mean, that was his kind of major breakout. Breakout, yeah. yeah. But like, I don't know why they chose him for Phantom. It's a little strange, too. But I mean, I went and saw that movie and loved it. But you're going to tell your Laura Croft story? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did go as Laura Croft one year for Halloween, and it was great. Well, this one had really, really, really long hair. Yes, I did. Yes. Um, Did you have a beard? Yes, of course. <laughs> Did you get catcalled in like a Taco oh, Bell parking lot? Several times I got catcalled. Oh man, I was wearing some shorty shorts. My goodness! Actually, the the knife that I was just using to unpack our uh, our foam to try to get a little bit less echoey here, the, that knife I bought at Walmart for like nine dollars specifically to cut the uh, <laughs> the shorts a little shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, so yeah, I was, I was looking pretty good. I got a what can I say? You know, a super tight, super short, shorty shorts, and a super tight shirt, and yeah, there was I was getting some guys calling me. Yep. <laughs> but so yeah, his last three films were huge stinkers. They all internationally though made money. So yeah, he five films, three of them were terrible, but not a one of them lost a dime. So, well, I mean, that's success then. Yeah. The last three of them didn't do very well internationally, or I mean, I didn't do very well domestic box office. But, Which uh, is kind of what keeps you from doing more. I mean, but. Yeah. So he was primarily known as a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that. Private Lessons. Have you ever seen that? That That's one that I didn't watch per se. It was on some type of late night USA Up All Night or something. It, it's a kid that hires sylvia christel i don't know if you know her from the Mm -mm. emmanuel film series no a uh 
I don't know, softcore, erotic. I don't know what the best way to say. 1979 French films that are sexual. I think they're trying to do different things than a, a movie full of sex and nudity would do today. So I don't even know what the genre would be, per se. Maybe more in like the Fifty Shades of Grey style. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey is... I mean, I haven't seen any of them, so I don't know actually like how erotic they get. Mm. But but then uh, he had a huge run with Verhoeven, so oh, okay. a friend of the podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, he did The Fourth Man, Flesh Plus Blood. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. I don't think we will. It is brutal. It's a kind of try to be an accurate portrayal of medieval warfare Ooh, with no. Rutger Hauer and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Hmm. And uh, it, it's good, but I, I don't think we'll probably get to it's that icky. one. It, oh, it's very gross yeah. and super, super rapey. So, oh, no, okay, yeah. no. Uh, Basic Instinct. He's a cinematographer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. I mean, I think I love the way the movie is shot. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Except for, except for the like the lights and shadows where there should not be lights and shadows. That's that's the only my my thing. Like I we're in an elevator. Basic Instinct. Every I think all the Basic Instinct that there were there were establishing shots i think it was body of evidence that did all that without the establishing shots maybe but i feel like there's some there might be one or two times where they're like in an elevator and there's like dark hooding it's like no 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 (laughs) he did uh, all the right moves and cujo Hmm. did uh, madonna's dress you up who's that girl and look of love music videos Ooh, i love those music videos <laughs> he did leonard six have you no any concept of leonard six no. i had no concept of this movie coming out no concept of it but i just remember it won huge at maybe the nickelodeon kids choice awards or whatever that year it's a spy spoof with bill cosby huh and it's terribly atrocious it is a horrible film when did it come and, out mid 80s 86 i'm surprised then because i mean like i remember like we i I saw ghost dad (laughs) in the theater (laughs) i think it was earlier than we would have really been aware of bill the first time i became aware of who bill cosby was was that movie was what leonard six this oh. would have been pre-Ghost Dad. This would have been during the Cosby Show. Oh, we watched the Cosby Show religiously. Oh, see, we didn't. We, we didn't. watched the Cosby Show a ton, so. But yeah, I just remember it it being featured heavily at the on some Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards or something of the, of that year. And we actually had that on VHS, and it was terrible. What you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, Die Hard, Hunt for October, Flatlines, Flatliners, and Lethal Weapon 3. So oh, fun. Talk, That's talk a lot of movies that even if they're not maybe the best movies, they sure look good. They look, look great. Oh, Die yeah. Hard is great, though. Yeah. Oh, that, fantastic. Yes. So you can see why you would get the guy that did the stunts and cinematography for Die Hard. Like, yeah. I bet I bet he'd be good for the I bet movie. he understands how this works. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I bet he's got some ideas. Yeah. So moving on, about 46 minutes in, I was editing and you said the word total ass grab. That's a missed opportunity. You can't expand on that at all, or is that just words coming out of your face? Well, <laughs> words coming out of my face. Well, I just think that, like, they don't... I mean, I guess maybe that's not a missed opportunity. Like, it seems like someone would have said more about it. I mean, they do the whole thing about the lady in the shoe. Like, but I guess we don't know who's actually 
ass grabbing. I guess they're just doing their job. So I, I roll that back. But <laughs> I mean, no one no one talks about it. It was I guess it was just gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous. Um, the DVD commentary has some more talk about it. Okay, uh, it was not intentional. With, but they do refer to it as a happy accident, which I don't feel like would play in in twenty twenty two. That it was not intentional, but they shot it and so they left it in because like, hey, hey. And um, well, then then it wasn't a missed opportunity. Like they were like opportunity seized and grabbed print. Right, I think they're just, you know, going through the dailies waiting like, wait a minute. We just, oh, hey, you know, <laughs> which is a little creepy. I mean, it is creepy, but I'm, and I guess I don't know exactly what I meant. It seems, I guess, the fact they didn't expand on it, but. Yeah, I guess I they guess, didn't realize they had shot it when they shot it. Well, there so. you go. So that's why they didn't. <laughs> there's still some ADR, though. You could... Yeah, there's a ton of ADR happening in that scene. I mean, all of that scene is ADR because I'm certain. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I guess we don't, we don't want to paint them. And, and I guess they could have. They could have if they saw that later. And I guess it was in the dialogue later. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> you you withdraw? <laughs> I'm not sure. Like they're not trying to paint them as creepy dudes, so yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I, I had the thought when you were saying that, like, yeah, that would have had to be ADR because the falling elevator would have been so loud. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> not how movies work. <laughs> All of those were sound effects added in later. It was probably disturbingly quiet on set. There probably wasn't really an elevator falling very far. <laughs> <laughs> it it probably was just like a like a ride like it probably was like tower of terror it probably wasn't an elevator <laughs> <If I know. laughs> it was probably just a box next to another box <laughs> oh boy oh boy i did come across searching through movie tropes and whatnot looking to see if there's any more information about the little thong scene we had in there the phrase just here for godzilla which is kind of a phrase that's used in referring to a B movie that yes it does have a lot of lady bits in it or whatever but has some sort of quote unquote plot to that you can say like I'm just here for the Godzilla right like Playboy you're there for the articles actually I said that it is the B movie version of I read it for the articles yes <laughs> so you you have you been sneaking and picking nope. my notes <laughs> no nope. But yeah, so you know, it, it's it's the kind of movie that has guns and explosions and whatnot, but also a lot of ladies and yeah. So we're gonna go like bing 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 rapid fire through here. Feel free to throw in whatever you want to throw in. Okay. Okay. All right, Jeff Daniels, mm-hmm. thirty nine in this movie. Oh man. Okay. He doesn't look old. No, but he doesn't look as young as we did at thirty nine. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's still kind of a dreamboat, but in in a not terribly dreamboaty way. But you know, I think De- Jeff Daniels is attractive. This is probably his most attractive role because he's kind of a badass, and then he kind of takes one for the team. Kind of like we, we run the whole gamut with him. I mean, obviously, like I love him in Dove and Dumber, but he's not attractive in Dove and Dumber. Um, and then I think I, I haven't seen him in a ton of other things. I think most other stuff is like heavily drama focused. But I think actually he's been playing Atticus Finch. Really? In on Broadway. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I believe so. Yeah. I'd be interested to see that. That's it's a huge hole in my movie experience. I've never seen it. Oh really? Yeah. To Kill a Mockingbird? No. I love To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm familiar with the concept and the story. I've never read it or seen it though. Oh yeah. We should watch that. That's not really something for or is it something for here? Is that why you haven't seen it? 
No. It just seemed old and I like birds. I didn't I don't think I realized I don't think I was I was probably twenty when I took the time to actually like what's all the hype about? Like it's a symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> just not something that ever came up. Got it. So you have uh Annie throwing out her cigarette at the very beginning. Yeah. And smoking in movies. Uh-huh. Best I could find. I mean, you're smoking all over the 90s. I mean, yes, of course. Bruce Willis smoking all over the place. But most recent ones, um, Royal Tenenbaums was listed in a lot of people's blogs. But I feel like that's a plot point. So I don't it is know a if plot it point. Counts. If, it's, if, it's, if you don't draw attention to it, I, I feel like it has to be just something that someone's doing. Yeah, I agree. Like, it doesn't... Def- now it's so defined someone's character, and it, it can't be like a villain or a Russian or whatever, you know, or a foreigner. Your 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 Russians, uh, Arabs, and villains. Yes, 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 yes. To uh, please, what is that? Thank you, Thank for, you smoking. for smoking. Yeah. yeah. Um, Vanilla Sky, the remake. I think that's two thousand one. Okay. Cameron Crow remake of uh, the whatever Spanish film, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the character smoke in that, I think. Um, Nicole Kidman smokes in Eyes Wide Shut. It's not really a plot point. I did find Kate and Leopold. That's late. That Meg Ryan smokes in that, and it's not a major plot point. That's weird. And Meg Ryan, America's darling at that time, is smoking. That's weird. Yeah, I've seen that movie exactly once. I don't think I've even seen it. Another talked about it on How Did This Get Made? <laughs> wow. Hitting it, I'm going to have to tag them in this episode. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Next thing we have is I went on a bit of a... Okay. I went down a bit of a hole on this. Is that really... Should I even bother saying that? That's, that's just what I do in life. Yeah. Like, this is this is the whole reason that this episode... This, this part... I can't even say what... This... This format of our podcast, Ex- yes, exists. every other episode exists, is Ex- because I just do that. You did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were first kind of going into you know formats for making this podcast, and I, I don't think you had any idea. I think you knew me, and you knew I could. I don't think you realized how much I would, though. <laughs> mm. Well, I didn't know how much, like, I mean... You would spend the time and do it, whether or not you would like put it on paper, or, like have it all in a format. That's true. I think we, you know, we kind of thought main episode's going to be an hour. The follow up's going to be twenty minutes or so. Right, right, right. It would like be a quick, like little, like what did we miss? Exactly, yeah. exactly. No, not so much. <laughs> not so much a mini episode. So I said the now that I know that you can live through it, I wouldn't mind doing it again. That took a lot of research to figure out what that movie was. Wait, what were we talking about? We we're talking about it just because of the. I think at the end when the the uh, subway train crashes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like now that I that's just what I wrote down. Like now that I know that you can live through it, I wouldn't mind doing it again. I've I had no idea what that movie was. I found it. Okay, Louis says it in Ducktales the movie. Wow, that's a deep cut. That's a real deep cut. But so of course I went deep on Ducktales the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Disney film, not done by Disney feature films, though it's done by Disney television. So okay. it's a different crew. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it seems like more... I don't know how how you differentiate. It's like, well, that definitely felt more like a made-for-TV type of cartoon, <laughs> but it does in a way. It did box it's... office business of made-for-TV and sort of killed the whole Chippendales, Rescue Rangers movie that was in the works and... 
a goofy movie was in the works at the time and didn't come back for years. And... I love a goofy movie. I think that's a cute one. <laughs> but uh, two years before Aladdin, Disney has a genie movie? Really? Yeah, that's the plot of this, is the DuckTales find a genie and... Oh. Or a, a magic lamp that has a genie. And, yeah, it's like the, the mystery of the magic lamp or whatever. Is the, <laughs> I don't remember subtitle. that at all. Uh, Rip Taylor plays the genie. <laughs> okay. And Christopher Lloyd is the bad guy, Morlock. I completely remember that. He's a good cartoon bad guy, because doesn't he play um, Rasputin? I believe you're correct, yes. I've never seen that one all the way through either. I love that Anastasia. one, too. That one's fun. This was the final hand-painted Disney film. Ooh, wow. That's that's huge. So after this, they started, you know, they would still hand-draw them, but they would go in and, and digitally paint them. Mm-hmm. Um, the second animated feature film ever to be released in the United States without a song in it. I think that's the thing. That's probably the difference on, like, what seems like a theatrical release type of Disney movie. Theatrical movies have songs. Exactly. Is is that that it's a musical, basically. But I mean, even things like The Secret of Nim has a song in it or, you know, things that you are not not musicals. I mean, The Black Cauldron has a song. Right. Actually, Fire and Ice might not have a song. This might might be a wrong factoid. But it's still that, that's it, that you're nailing why... I mean, Fritz the Cat, does Fritz the Cat have a song in it? I, I don't know. This this might be, this might, this factoid that I just found on the, something on the internet might not be true. Oh my gosh, what? What are we going to do? Ah, <laughs> it's all over. But no, I think that, that that's, you've pinpointed why I think the difference is. But also too, your actual classic Disney characters, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, all of the adjacents, those guys don't get feature films. Mm. They're they don't. Like they don't carry they like ensemble films. They get like the Mickey and the Beanstalk, but they're still but they're, they're portraying three movies in that. There's but like, they're also portraying a, a story that already exists. Gotcha. They don't have enough of a character to hold anything. We don't know enough about them. Hmm. Why not? They, they, they aren't interesting enough for us to have a whole feature film about. And there's a whole world based on them. Fascinating. I don't know. I just know that in the... Boy, this is going to take me back to some nerdy stuff. But in the Kingdom Hearts video game, mm-hmm. it's a like Final Fantasy meets yeah. Disney. And at the very end of it, you see this like ninja running around just slice 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 like backflip backflip slice 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 just being this total badass and he like lands you know the big you know pose asian movie kind of Mm -hmm. martial arts film and pulls off his hood and it's mickey mouse (laughs) like what that's that's one of the best reveals of all time well it's the thing like like yeah, like that doesn't fit Mickey Mouse, what we know about Mickey Mouse, because we don't know anything about Mickey Mouse. I think that Apparently is a, he's like, that's a missed opportunity. Mickey Mouse can do some Matrix style stuff, guys. Exactly. I think that's a missed opportunity. We should have like the whole like behind the world of Mickey Mouse. Mickey in the Matrix. <laughs> I, th- I think we're I think we're thinking some things here. Uh, according to this random fact, I don't think is true. The Land Before Time was the first animated feature film not to feature a song between the credits. Not the one before time two. That has lots of songs in it, but the original one. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But it's why it. I love the Land Before Time. It like <laughs> tugs at all your heartstrings. Have... There's a whole, sorry. No, go ahead. Go There's for a it. whole conversation. I'm making all kinds of other podcast references today on true crime and cocktails. So Lauren Ashes 
and uh, her cousin Christy, who's her co-host, like she asked her husband a question and she's like, his answer made me rethink everything. I asked him what his favorite dinosaur was (laughs) and he didn't have one. (gasps) And it's like, wait, what? what? I'm sorry. Who are you? What are you? And then they have this whole, whole conversation about favorite dinosaurs and why and how Lauren kind of sees them all as actually like neon colors and and like that. Why did they have to be green? Like that doesn't really historically make it is this whole thing, but just basically like, I don't even know you because you don't have a favorite dinosaur. <laughs> so, I, babe. Yes. What's your favorite dinosaur? Well, my favorite dinosaur was the brontosaurus, but then they took him away. They that, don't, like, why couldn't they have made one not exist that I, that was, that I didn't like? It's like the Pluto. Not so much. I wasn't a big fan of Pluto. No, but I just mean like in general, like, well, it, it what, what does it hurt anybody? Like to up your science. Like, <laughs> where's my brontos- I want my brontosaurus back. Which I think there is a new dinosaur they're calling a brontosaurus, but I, I think it's just to satisfy people like me. So, I mean, yeah, because like, what does it hurt? Like, they can sell a lot more brontosaurus merchandise. Like, it's really just a merchandise gig at this point. I mean, why not? Yeah, I guess of the ones that are left, the Triceratops. Probably that's my favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the social media post, well, the number one social media post I've ever written that's gotten the most follows, subscribes, likes, reshares, whatever, was when I was going to Mexico and trying to figure out how often I was going to have to drink a 12-ounce beer in order to drink my weight in beer. And (laughs) that post got a lot of traction. But I think besides that, when I said that uh, I'm in my late 30s and I'm still sad that three horns can't play with long necks because they (laughs) lived millions of years apart. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, three horns don't play with long necks. It's a scientific fact. It's sad. We just thought they were having a clicks. (laughs) We just thought she was a bitch, but no. (laughs) Sorry. We don't like to use that word. But uh, Jack's car, 1970 Ford Bronco. Tot. It is. I've I've looked to see like, are there any available? Pretty much what there are have been like heavily souped up, and there is kind of a subculture of people that are trying to sell Ford Broncos from that era with nine hundred nine nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine miles on them. Oh, so I guess wow. they get them right to there right before they flip over <laughs> to a million. Wow. I mean, it seems like the kind of car that would just go and go and go. Um. I've always loved that. There's a really hot, I think it's a blazer too, in um, Charlie's Angels. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, like, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities from that movie, but. <laughs> you love that movie. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun soundtrack, too. You like the second one, too, don't you? <laughs> um, Not as much. You know, Demi Isn't Moore. Demi Moore and Crispin Glover. Yeah, they're, they're not. And oh, also, um, not married to Jennifer Aniston. Um, Justin Thoreau. Okay, okay. I think all three of them are kind of bad guys. Hmm. Kristen Glover's a weird character. He's a bad guy, not a bad guy. Um, but I don't think Demi Moore's a great actress in that movie. I mean, one could argue, is she a really great actress ever? I think she's she her moment. She is a star. I don't know if she's a great actress. Yeah, I, there's definitely a difference there. Um, it's definitely while she's like feeling like... She's in that 
primetime era of like, can you believe how old she is and how hot she looks? Like that's like primetime, you know, uh, what's his face? Ashton Kutcher, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Was it Chris Rock had said that uh, Ashton Kutcher had punked Bruce Willis? Like, I stole your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. That was a pretty good joke. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe that we missed the bus advertisement. What was on the bus? It's the Santa Monica Bank. And it says, money isn't everything. Yeah, right. That's like the theme of this film. It is. It's on the back of the bus. That's hilarious. And we missed it. So I did a little bit of digging on Speed 2. Okay. Cruise Control. Mm-hmm. Annie still doesn't get a last name. Really? Yeah. All the other characters. Jason Patrick gets a last name. Maurice, the Jaguar driver, gets a name. He's in there? Yeah, they, they steal his boat to go after, and then the his his condo gets trashed. <laughs> so. so are we creating a thrill? When is Showgirls? Uh, Showgirls is before these? Right, so I'm like, I'm trying to create like a through line, a through line. Of, of him. Like, yeah, yeah, he, you know, he is the same character in Speed and Speed 2, yes. He just happens to be taking his new boat out from his new condo, and they steal the boat to go on the ship, and of his course. condo gets destroyed. I'm kind of I'm liking That's that. Funny. That's that, that funny. Might, this movie is not well-reviewed, not well-received, but I'm, I'm kind of liking that. I mean, I talk about the, lum- the lumbering uh, features of a bus, and you're going to apply that to a cruise ship. Like, let's go even faster. Yeah. and i cannot believe that i missed that um glenn Plummer is jericho one in strange days have you ever seen that movie no it's ray fines tom sizemore and juliette lewis in a movie That's an interesting cast done by uh james cameron like right before titanic hmm okay it's this weird film noir about people recording their sensory inputs and then playing it back into other people's brains it's kind of like a they're treating it like a drug it's illegal they're dealing it on the black market hmm. It, uh, you know, very, very kind of cyberpunk film noir. Yeah. It's set in a L.A. just on the eve, New Year's Eve of 1999. But it's like early 90s view of what L.A. In would look like. So it's the like... world coming to an end. Kind right. of demolition man Like a style. Y2K. What's that movie with Craig Bierko? That's kind of like, seems like that too. I think it has Vincent D'Onofrio in it too. Like, so much cybery punk noir. Like, like the 13th floor, maybe? Maybe, maybe. That's like where they're going into the world of like the 1930s, 1940s film noir. I like think in the cy- so. In cyberspace. Yeah, yes, I think so. Yes, man, man, the 90s, like, we like, how can we Dark shove together? We had. Yeah, like the, the 40s and the future. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah, that... Uh, I don't know if it's a good movie. I, I don't know. I, I just know it was very, very interesting. But the entire movie plays against racial politics between LAPD, and it it, it seems strangely relevant. Hmm. Okay. Um. So, last thing, anything else before I get into print? Nope. So print is tough for the '90s. I feel like the newspapers aren't 
they don't i can't get as much out of the newspapers as i can like i can in the 70s and that the makes 80s. sense uh, yeah i found a playboy september 1988 interview with uh keanu reeves very brief talking about how he's trying to learn a french accent for dangerous liaisons and how he uh, how to pronounce his name <laughs> can you imagine a world where it's like he's also like has bill and ted's excellent adventure on the horizon like, can you imagine a world where you had to teach someone how to say Keanu Reeves? I mean, he's just a household name now. He even has a, is it a kitten? A kitten named after him, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. From, I mean, Jordan Peele's in that, right? I think that's their movie. It's a, who is. It's a Key and Peele movie. One of the most important directors, writers living today. I mean, it's a John Wick spoof. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that issue also has Jessica Hahn on the cover, friend of the podcast. Oh, Jessica Hahn. Yeah, yeah. Better, I, I found some better stuff in December of 1994, where Keanu is one of the sex stars of 94. Of course. Yes. So in 94, December, Playboy, we have the Radio Shack gift guide. <laughs> So it includes I, everything about that is is gone. <laughs> right. A digital answering machine, a two point two inch portable television. Two point two inches. It's probably good that like I don't know what size that is. About maybe the size of like a Game Boy screen. Oh, okay. Dumb. Yeah. So you know now we have like that seems like something we had in the seventies, like that people had like an earphone in, like they were like at a funeral watching a football game, you know, at the at the band recital, or right? Whatever, exactly. Like watching the football game. Exactly. Yeah. We actually had one of those in my mom's sewing room downstairs. It's old school. Like it, actually, it had a handle so you could carry it along with you. Black and white, probably three and a half, four inch television. That was just we had two television sets, and that's the one of the ones we had. Wow. <laughs> Uh, so we had a digital pedometer that is huge and wraps around your belt. <laughs> had a digital organizer, like had 250 uh, names and phone numbers that it would hold for you. So there's like a digital Rolodex? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, a pictorial with Christina Elliott. I had never heard of her before. I, I feel like I've listened to podcasts where I should have heard of her. Uh, she was a... Um, a featured dancer in Las Vegas. Uh, she was engaged to John Wayne Bobbitt at the time of this pictorial. Huh. Okay. And I guess she was, I, we, we, I don't have a garbage bell, but if we could start ringing a garbage bell for John Wayne Bobbitt, yeah, she's the second person that he would be arrested for, uh, for abusing. So not the last. No. So not, not a good dude, but this, this was this pictorial. I mean, this is December. And I think it was May when the whole, incident so uh wait so this is december this is like this is just a few months later a few months after yes so mm. i mean i guess everything was reattached at this point well i think they did that pretty quickly yeah yeah um we have miss december 1994 elisa bridges i don't know who that is now she continued to appear in playboy stuff uh until the early 2000s uh I'm really having, I'm finding some tragic playmates here. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought we were yeah. kind of out of that. Yeah. February 7th, 2002, 28 years old, had an accident with some heroin and some alprazolam. So, yeah. Benzodiazepines, which is alprazolam and, and heroin opiates are not a, not a good mixture, people. So, sorry if that's Dr. Zach coming out here for a minute, but there's a reason we try to avoid those. 20 questions with Kelsey Grammer. 
It was in the Playboy? Yes. <laughs> and he has, let me see if I can find his hair. I had it, I had it queued up to sex stars. Oh. The worst. <laughs> what is happening with this photo? First of all, his forehead looks humongous. He's in a weird chair that gives him wings. He's in a collarless shirt. shirt. Oh, it's terrible. He No, it looks like an alien movie. I mean, <laughs> no offense. Kelsey Grammer is like not an unattractive guy in some instances, but this, this is, is the most unflattering picture of him I could imagine. It's awful. I guess this is what this is 1994. So that's just what 1994 is. We did not know what to do with a balding man in 94. No, no. It's, it's hard. I, I would have thought we would have figured it out before then. I so mean, so much stuff we've seen from the seventies and the eighties were obviously, but boy, by ninety four. Well, but also he's this is Frazier, right? Yes, this is, yes. This is Fra- so Frazier's not going to have like a shaved head, like that's not a character. Like you don't have a psychiatrist, psychologist. This is prime. Like um, this is a middle aged bachelor again. Well, and this is a middle. This is middle aged. Um, you know, professor type. Mm-hmm. Um intellect intellectual they're not gonna have a shaved head that's not that's too edgy for them so they haven't figured out what to do how like they're just stuck i mean just just take it tighter take it tighter (laughs) (laughs) so we move into the sex stars of 1994 front page claudia schiffer she looks so young she does i guess she was this is the year that she married david copperfield so i don't know if that holds up (laughs) as well but then we have Hugh Grant and David Caruso. Man, that did not look like Hugh Grant. I from this angle, it, I thought it was Brendan Fraser. Oh, I could see that. I could see that. But Hugh Grant had three movies this year: Four Weddings and a Funeral, Sirens, and Bitter Moon. I'm only familiar with Four Weddings and a Funeral. I'm familiar with Sirens because the Tennessean, our local paper, had a huge write-up on it, and. It seemed like one of the most salacious things I'd ever really? heard of. Yes. Okay, it's almost like a BBC movie. It's really more like the the Pride and Prejudice. Pride, exactly, well, it's a film, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's released by that same kind of crew. It is Hugh Grant, I believe, is a missionary going to try to convert Sam Neill, who is a hedonistic painter. <laughs> Okay. I think uh, what L. McPherson is his main muse in that. But I guess just everybody is nude constantly. And uh, so, yeah, the, it definitely to a 14-year-old boy in the in our local newspaper write-up made it seem like, whoa. <laughs> of course. Yes. So, yeah, that, I think that might be on, that might be one of the ones on our list that you don't even doesn't even. You know. Yeah, I don't have any connection to it whatsoever. But I mean, four weddings and a funeral that. I've never seen that. That could maybe go on. I actually list. haven't seen it either. I've seen a ton of Notting Hill, but mm-hmm. I think Andy McDowell's in Four Weddings and a Funeral, maybe. That, that could be right. I, this is just making me realize how formative 1994 is to the Forbidden Timeline for me. Because then we have David Caruso, we have NYPD Blue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we're going to have to do a couple episodes. I don't know how we do a show in this format. I, I don't exactly know. But, I mean, I was asked by my pastor to sign a petition to get NYPD Blue banned from our local television station. First of all, you're a child. Your your name on a petition means nothing. Um, so that seems like just wild manipulation. It, uh, yeah, exactly. There, there, there's no reason that a 
13, 14 year old child should be asked to protest content on television. That no. is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kiss of Death he had that year. Are you? I remember seeing this trailer and just thinking like, oh, this is a bad movie. I'm not allowed to watch. <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage is the bad guy in that one. I feel like Nicolas Cage is the bad guy in a lot of 90s movies. Yeah, I, I feel like like one scene he's bench pressing a girl in a bikini or something. <laughs> I think he his, wishes. You know, Nicolas Cage's hideout is the strip club. So it, it's just, yeah. That, that, sounds, that's definitely... that sounds like a really bad Batman villain. <laughs> So, of course, next page, we have Keanu. Aw, fresh face Keanu. We have Erica Ilaniac. I think she started in Playboy and then was Baywatch and, and the like. Are you familiar with this movie Chasers that she had come out this year? No. I remember seeing this on some sort of TNT, TV. You know, it some... looks like Jag. Like the cover of it looks like, you know, a TV version of Jag. But she's wearing no pants and handcuffs. And I remember this thing being kinkier than I was ready to handle at the time. And uh, directed by Dennis Hopper. Oh, okay. So, of speed fame. Mm-hmm. And with Tom Berenger. This movie has Crispin Glover. It has uh, Seymour Castle of... What did we? What was he in, in our... Thing? Uh, Indecent Proposal. Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Stockwell. Oh, everybody. Biddy Schram from Monk. Uh, this has got... This might be something we need to check out. Okay, okay. That's uh, just two guys escorting a, a sexy prisoner across the across the country and, and the things they get into. We have Sharon Stone in The Specialist, mm-hmm. which I've mentioned. That's one with her and uh, and Sylvester Stallone, which right. is high, high on my forbidden, forbidden list. We have Bruce Willis and Jane March in The Color of Night, which is on our mm-hmm, yeah. on the list as well. Um Arnold Schwarzenegger, True Lies. Where's Jamie Lee? I don't know, because she's, she's what brings the heat to that movie. And she made it into the sex and cinema, but why did she not make it into the sex stars? I don't know. I, I'm calling bullshit on that one. Yeah, Jamie I, I mean, Lee we, earned that. Can we like retroactively instill Jamie Lee Curtis in, I mean, maybe in December she, 1994 maybe Playboy? Maybe she passed. I don't, I don't know how this works. If the, you consult with people or... Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, I mean, she made it into the... Into the sex and cinema, though. So, Jim Carrey and the debut of Cameron Diaz. I thought that might be Cameron Diaz right there. Yeah. We have Pamela Anderson in Baywatch. I knew this was big. I did not realize that average viewing of Baywatch was 1 billion people per episode. That's crazy. I mean, it was huge in Germany. You know, Germans love David Hasselhoff. Shout outs to uh, our boy, <laughs> Norm MacDonald. <laughs> we have the Seinfeld gang. And of course, we have Eric Nice. Eric Nice. Friend, <laughs> friend of Jenny and the Playgirl Review. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm certain it was not Eric Nice, but it seemed like Eric Nice in what, it was 2002, 2003. Um, I definitely had all of the uh, MTV grind workout videos uh, on VHS. The last page here. I wonder how this page would look in 2022. We have Bill Clinton and Diane Parkinson. Are you familiar with Diane? I'm not, no. She was the first of the Barker's beauties to level accusations. Of the Barker? uh, Uh, Bob Barker. 
Oh, 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 okay. At, Bo- at Bob at Barker? At Bob Barker, yes, yes, mm, yes. Okay. I, I told you that. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, he did. was going to come back. Yes, okay. Yeah, she was his first accuser. I, I don't think he would have signed off so scot-free today. No, no, I don't think, I felt like he really flew under the radar there with that. I don't think that made a lot of headway. Yeah, I think a, a smirking Bill Clinton to, and comparing him to the womanizing of JFK... No. I think we've more realized that what he was doing was a crime. Yeah, it's not cute. No, no. So yeah, I feel like that does not age well. No. And the last thing I have out of this is a huge full-page advertisement for Brooks and Dunn <laughs> waiting on sundown. <laughs> That's hilarious. Produced by Miller Lite. It says, country music has never kicked like this. And all I can think of is... As soon as you're feeling a little better, we should uh, hop up to uh, to his winery down the road. Yeah, exactly. He has a really, really relaxing, lovely winery down the road from us mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with kicking or country or outlaws or anything. Nope, nope. They do a lot of jazz. <laughs> <laughs> lots of lots of uh, wine tastings and and cheese. You know. Yep. So I'm about to wrap this thing up, babe. What else you got? I think that's it. Um, we were talking about next viewing. I think we're probably going to do somewhere between two and four of a what were they thinking. We're kind of popping that around in our mm-hmm. heads. And next one, host choice for me, what were they thinking, is going to be the, I believe, is it 1990? Warren Beatty film, Dick Tracy. Yes. Yes, yes. So back into the 90s. Uh, Welcome back, Madonna mm-hmm. is... is Al Pacino, he's not in the Forbidden Canon yet, is not he? Not yet, no. Well, well, welcome Al Pacino, yes. It's going to get wild. Going to get wild. 90s love the f- love love a little throwback, a little film noir, a little detective stuff. And yeah, this was definitely, we watched this a ton. Um, and there's some, some things, not even just Madonna withstanding. There's some definite like themes and things in here that it's like, it should not have been okay. So we'll, we'll talk about yeah, that I, for you and for me. Yeah, I remember just thinking back to this movie and like, wait a minute, that I've never watched this movie with the concept of what, what, no, that's <laughs> that's not okay. But I've I've just thought about it over the years because it was one of my favorite movies as a child. And yeah, there's some stuff that like, what were my parents thinking? I guess maybe they were just hoping I wouldn't notice. I don't know. Maybe it's like we're like, finally, we can watch an adult movie and maybe they won't get it. <laughs> All right, so um, hit us up on the socials. We are, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Forbidden Cinema on Instagram and Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. There we go. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Look at that. (laughs) Check us out on our side podcast, Minks on Max Going Deeper. Renewed for season two, so we'll be back. We're going week by week. I think we just finished week seven, so we've got about three more episodes. We're having a blast with that one. Come on along. If, if you found us there, welcome. If you found us here, then then check it out. We're having a lot of fun over there, too. Absolutely. So you guys have a fantastic week, and we will catch you next. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.